about Joseph this morning. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. I went to pick up my four-year-old Lila from preschool recently, and when I got there, the preschool teachers had gotten out the nativity set, and she was playing with it, and so I kind of got down on the ground and was playing the nativity set with her, and, uh, you know, she's very clear on, here's baby Jesus in the cradle, and here's the donkey, and here's Mary, and here's the angel, and uh, here are the shepherds, but when we got to Joseph, we were both kind of perplexed, like, which one of these little figurines is Joseph? And I honestly didn't know. And, uh, you know, is the one with the staff, or does he look too old, or is this the shepherd, or, you know, who, who is who? And I was thinking about it afterwards, and I was thinking, that's a very appropriate kind of scene. Because Joseph is somewhat the forgotten character of Christmas. He is silent, never speaking a word in Scripture, throughout Scripture. And almost like an extra character in the background who is necessary to set the scene, but very necessary. This is Joseph. Uh, today we're continuing this series we're calling Home, uh, Home for Christmas. And what we're doing in this series is returning home to the story we come to every year at this time. And we're kind of imagining that we're opening the door of our home to these different characters and inviting them in and kind of thinking about putting ourselves in their shoes, thinking about what life would have been like for them, asking them questions over the Christmas meal. And so today we're opening the door to Joseph. Joseph is uh, almost like the grandpa in the background in Christmas, not saying much, but you know that you can count on him. What we learn about Joseph in Scripture is we see that he's a man of integrity, he is teachable, and he is humble. He's a good man. He wants to follow God's law, God's way. And he wants to be right by others. He, he has integrity in that. Um, he is also willing to admit when he's wrong. He's teachable. Uh, he is kind of like John the Baptist in that he is willing to be behind the scenes, kind of willing to be in the background 
to allow the honor of his firstborn son to be given to one who is not biologically his child. So our passage that Tim just read from Matthew 1 um, shows Joseph as a man who is intent on doing the right thing. But initially, he thinks the right thing to do is to quietly divorce Mary. That's initially what he, he just believes the law requires him to do. That this, this is initially what he thinks is the right thing to do. This is his plan. Uh, now, culturally speaking, at that time, uh, it would have been the cultural expectation in that set of circumstances for, her, for him to not divorce her quietly but loudly, to let everybody know what kind of woman this is, to make his innocence known, to make her waywardness known. But Joseph is a man of integrity, so uh, this is a conundrum for him. He wants to follow God's law. He also has compassion for Mary. And so his first thought is, I'll just divorce her quietly. That's his plan. The scriptures say, because her husband Joseph was faithful to the law, this is where he wants to follow God's law, and yet did not want to expose her, Mary, to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He is a man intent on striking this balance between his fidelity for God's law and his compassion for Mary. Joseph's journey is so interesting because here he is, the father of Jesus, which puts him right like in the spot of being in charge of this little life. But what we see in this journey is kind of a reversal for Joseph, where he goes from being in charge with his plan and his control to allowing Christ to be in charge and in control of him. In a sense, when you think about Joseph like that, that's the invitation to all of us. That's the journey for all of us because often we all start out following God in the way of Jesus and... Uh, begin on that path, and very quickly want to start telling God what to do, want to pray and ask God to bless us in the way that we believe blessing ought to look. And so there's a process for all of us in discipleship, in our own spiritual formation, of reversing that just like Joseph had to, of laying our relinquishing our plans and our control and welcoming God's plans and God's control in whatever circumstances we face. So we see this in Joseph, and there's so much that is um, sort of a welcome invitation for us. The angel visits Joseph, and Joseph finds out that what he had initially assumed was wrong. And he's teachable in this moment. The amazing thing is he doesn't protest when God's word comes to him. He's teachable and he's humble enough to admit that he's wrong. And there's this wholehearted submission and change to the direction that God brings him through this angel. That is honorable in and of itself. That's cool. But uh, when you think about what Joseph was really facing, what was really being asked of him, it's all the more amazing. Because 
we know from John 6 and other places that the virgin birth, however that was communicated to the community around Mary and Joseph, it was not accepted by the community. So you can just imagine that in the community's estimation of Joseph, they had to think either he had no self-control and had been with Mary before marriage, or he was willing to stay with a woman who had been with another man. That's what everyone around him would have thought because they did not accept this story of the virgin birth. So uh, there was, now in our day, we might think, what's the big deal, commonplace, but in his day, that's total loss of reputation. He knew that if he married her, his friends would never accept his account of what had happened. He would not most likely be invited into their homes. He would not most likely be doing business with them. He would not no longer be respected as someone who studies and knows the Torah, the scriptures, the law. If he committed himself to this baby, he was going to do so at enormous sacrifice. This is Joseph. His whole reputation, the work of a lifetime, would be trashed. So Joseph has his plans. He is in charge. He has his plans. Here's what he's going to do. And his journey is one of relinquishing his plans and his control to God and submitting to whatever God brings his way. So in his life is this invitation to us all. Just imagine, um, for kind of imagination's sake, just imagine this. Imagine there's a young man today who's engaged to a young woman, and suddenly she's found to be pregnant, and he has a dream, and God surprises him in the dream and says, stay with her. And after he's staggered by that, kind of confused, he faces his parents, he faces his friends, no one believes him, the gossip begins to build. But as this sort of begins to settle down into his heart that he is staying with her, some government bureaucrat says everybody in the United States has to go back to their hometown for a special tax. So he gets in his old car, and he drives across the country, and when he gets to his hometown, there's no room in any motel, there's no room in any hotel. But he finds a garage, and in that garage, a baby is born. And just when he thinks, can't get any crazier than this, some street people come, and they start banging on the door of the garage. And they say, let us in, let us in. And these street people fall down on their knees and say, glory to God in the highest, we've come to worship this baby. And as his eyes get wider and wider, thinking nothing crazier can happen, a little time later, three stretch limousines pull up to that garage and it's ambassadors to the United Nations, and they get, they get out of their limousines, and they bring gold and lay it down before this baby's feet. And then the governor of that state calls in the National Guard and tells the National Guard to kill every baby in that town. And again, God comes to this man in a dream and says, you're in real trouble. Get up quickly. Go. Flee to South America. When you think about it in kind of contemporary eyes, you sort of 
almost feel viscerally like what Joseph was faced with, the staggering choices that he had. I mean, going to Egypt, there was no interstate highway to get him there. There was no McDonald's along the way. There was no guarantee of work once he got there. There were no hotels or restaurants. He didn't have a network. So he is following God in obedience and accepting the consequences. We really see in Joseph's life just how he models that when you obey God, it is ultimately for your highest joy, but immediately and for a lifetime there are consequences. And so you just imagine what Joseph throughout this story would have felt. Like, Mary, what is going on initially? Like, how could Mary have done this to me? And he has this plan, yet he wanted to divorce her quietly. And then, well, what is the community going to think of me? And yet, he obeys the angel's command. And then you can imagine him thinking, what will happen to my family name, to my estate, if I give the child the rights of my firstborn? And yet he didn't argue, and he named him Jesus. You can imagine Joseph saying, how will I ever survive Egypt? And yet he wakes up in the middle of the night and goes. Most dangerous time to travel. Joseph was teachable, and teachability requires trust. It requires admitting when we are wrong. And he was able to do that. We can imagine for Joseph that the angel's instructions did not make much sense. It was like the angel's instructions were directing him in the opposite way that he thought he was supposed to go. A while back, Tim and I uh, were driving across town during rush hour, and we typed in the address of where we were going into my phone, and Google Maps started telling us which way to get there. But it was like telling us to go in a way totally opposite, what, I mean, to just a totally different route, different direction than we would think to go to that part of town. And um, so I th we actually pulled out the other phone. We pulled out Tim's phone, typed it in like to get a second opinion from Google Maps. And it was the same opinion, you know, same route. And we're taking all these crazy back roads, like didn't even know you could get through downtown that way. And um, we get to the other side. And then like 30 minutes later, two more cars show up and they're, oh, we hit so much traffic. There must have been an accident. And they had not used Google Maps to get there. And the route that was most obvious actually had the most traffic. But if we would have stuck with our instincts and not trusted Google Maps, in that instance, Google was correct, we'd have gotten there, would have been stuck in that traffic. And in a, a similar way, I think it is that God invites us to trust him and his ways in certain areas of life. But it is very common and tempting for us to trust our instincts more. So I'm going to trust my instincts rather than Google. I'm going to trust my instincts in this situation rather than what God would say. And so, yeah, I know God would say to stay faithful, but in this set of circumstances, I don't really need to. I know God would, I know God's way, following God in the way of Jesus, would involve being truthful. 
but my instincts tell me it's just better to fudge the truth right now. Teachability requires trust. Trust in God's ways even when we cannot see. Even when it means enormous consequence. That is what we see here in the life of Joseph. I just wonder how often we're kind of like that with God's direction in our life. Do we trust that his way is right? If Joseph had relied on his instincts, he never <laughs> would have obeyed the angel's instructions, the angel's command. And yet he did. And so here we are, opening the door of our home to him again this Christmas. I don't know about you, but I think especially at this time of year, there is um, just a risk of losing sort of the presence of Christ in our lives. Something about the concoction of shopping and getting ready and family dynamics and so many things. Um, I think we're especially, um, it's especially easy to just get out of sync with the flow of living in God's presence this time of year. And so I wanted to invite you to just make a little space inside your heart and life this morning together with me to create a little room as we enter this last week before Christmas. Um, I'm, I'm going to lead us just through a time of prayer, give you a little time of reflection, and then um, towards the end of the prayer, I'm going to ask you to participate in a welcoming prayer with me. And the words of this prayer, will, I'll put them up on the screen. I'll invite you to look at the screens at that time. Um, but this is just a, a way for us to make some space in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives um, this last week of Advent. And so would you pray together with me? God, we thank you for this season. We thank you for what we can learn from the various characters of the Christmas story. We thank you for Joseph. We thank you for his willingness to be in the background, so necessary to the story. And God, you know at this time of year especially, it's easy to just get out of sync with your presence. But we want to invite you to make space inside of us to welcome you again this week. I want to invite you right now just to put your feet flat on the ground, to pay attention for just a moment this morning to what's going on in your body, to as best you can let go of fear and stress in anxiety, so that you might make a space to welcome Christ.
And if it would be meaningful to you now, I just invite you to read the words of this welcoming prayer together with me. The words will be on the screen. Let's pray together. I let go of my need for safety and security. Welcome, Jesus, welcome. I let go of my need to be liked and affirmed. Welcome, Jesus, welcome. I let go of my need to be in control. Welcome, Jesus, welcome. I am willing to receive this situation as it is. I let go of my need to change what is. Amen.